Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, yes. Let it sink in, Jackson. I don't have time for you today. <laughs> I understand that. Seriously? You don't mind? What you got there? Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota, here on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. Standing across from me, ladies and gentlemen, that is Jackson Burkett. Program that really welcomes you to participate. And Randy Carricker wants to join the program. So this is a wonderful thing. What an honor. I'm I'm honored to be here. Look at this. Look, looking for my. Uh, what are you looking for? Looking I mean, for my little head, headphone bag. I don't know where it went, but that's a, it's not that important. Yeah, I, I, I'd rather. I just, don't see it anywhere. Yeah, talk talk to you guys. Yeah. I don't either. Uh, yeah, it'll be somewhere. Yeah, while you're here, here I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and ask. Uh, how did that Missouri win on Saturday compare? Oh, you got the Missouri uh, thing on. I see. How 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 did that compare to wins you've seen in your storied career? It wasn't to the level of the Oklahoma win in 2010 or the Nebraska number one win. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska 2003, you're talking right, about? Yeah. yeah. Victor Cisse? Right. But I would say right uh, a notch below those yeah. with a team that had scored 66 and 62 on you the yes. last couple of years and had the number one rushing defense in the conference, number three, I think, in the country, to run all over them and dominate them like Mizzou did. That was... A monster. We we all thought that when they when Drinkwitz in his first year beat LSU that that was big, but LSU turned out to suck. Right? That's correct. Clearly, easily the biggest win of Eli Drinkwitz's career. A statement. Yeah. Win. Big and time. one other one while I got you here uh, with A and M opening up, and then we just had Gabe Diarmond on TMA. If the job in Gainesville opens up, and I don't know how likely that is, I would say it's maybe 33% to 40% because he's only in his second year, but right. he's probably losing to Missouri and probably losing to Florida State. Uh, do you think those schools or a school, if there's a domino effect elsewhere with maybe one of their coaches leaving, go after Eli Drinkwitz? I think that that's a distinct possibility. We were talking about A&M. If you're A&M and all you care about is winning, why don't you just hire Urban Meyer? Right, and we've seen Urban Meyer mentioned for that. Yeah, yeah. and I think he should be because they don't care about. When's the last time you heard Texas A&M and integrity listed in the same (laughs) sentence? Right. Uh, So I I would think that uh, Mike Elko doesn't doesn't turn me on. I know. I'm surprised that I keep hearing. I mean, he's done a great job at Duke, but I can't imagine that gets them all excited there any more than Jimbo Fisher. Right. So, uh, but I can absolutely see Eli. Yeah, teams are going to come after him if we're in. We're. They won. Where were ten and two in a New Year's Day bowl game? 
He's going to be the hot guy, yeah, right? And Young, he just had charismatic. A, and he had that win at 2.30 on CBS with yeah. Gary Danielson and Brad Nessler raving about the program. I mean, that is with nothing really in competition for that time slot on Saturday. He had the stage, and they delivered. And if he leaves after December 1st, it only costs him $5 million to go, yeah. which is a pittance now for college Especially for what they would be throwing around for a job yeah. that he would go to. All right. Uh, yeah. And how about the Blues 8-2? to two? Did you see a... Uh, in this five games that they've played, most recently, they've averaged 4.4 goals per game after averaging 1.75 in their first game. God, it's amazing. Pavel Buchnevich, man. That's the you little know. gesture. How about that, Jackson? Two shorties and a PPG. How do yeah, you do? Yeah. One for 37, yeah. that power play was, yeah. and then they just go off. So one other thing, by the way. I'm taking yeah. your time, but you're no. welcome to stay anytime. This is, this is the first time this hour's had credibility <laughs> in, in a long time. Uh, yeah. I have to believe that you are... You're surprised, but pleasantly surprised by the success that Mizzou is having under Drinkwitz. I bet the over this year, a nice amount of money mm-hmm. uh, of the win total of six and a half. A lot of that, though, was returning seniors and the schedule. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect at all what might be for real up there with the 2007 and 2013 teams. I, I did not see that. I mean, not, not at all. No. I thought they would win seven or eight games. I didn't think what looks like most likely a 10-win team. Who would have thought that they would beat Tennessee, right? After the like last two years? Like that, too. Yeah. Like right. that. Yeah. What Pretty about amazing. yourself? Yeah, I'm I'm surprised. I didn't think that... Uh, I didn't think that his coaching staff, especially Kirby Moore, would be able to put things together In as quickly one, as they yeah. have. And but, Blake Baker and the and, job he's doing. And, I didn't think Brady Cook was this good. I, that that <laughs> one had like, no idea. That no. one, no idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, a lot of my betting was based on returning seniors or returning starters yeah. and, uh, and and a favorable schedule to start. It's a fun year. Have a yeah, great show. Thank you so much for coming in. Good the to see you. Randy Carricker. Thanks, and guys. How about this? Thanks, how about Randy. that, Jackson? Randy Carricker was on this program today. We can say that. It's lovely. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford's going to be on this program today uh, at 1045 uh, as the Blues. I mean, here's the deal. What was the final on Missouri-Tennessee? 36-7. to seven. That's right. A little pick six at the end. How do you do? Love that. Uh, and the, the field goal mm. attempt from Josh Heupel. Close. And then Eli Drinkwitz burning the timeout to ice the kicker. Big fan. Uh, I enjoyed that. Now, I have to make the observation. That's fair. I'm morally obligated because you know what they call this program, Jackson? Honesty in the media. Yep. That Eli Drinkwitz called the timeout to get a cosmetic score against Kansas State and Manhattan. I thought both moves were beneath the respective programs. Agreed. So I got to call it how I see it. You do. With that said, when Heupel trots the kicker out there, I'm like, what is this? Yeah, I was like, oh. And I also saw the same thing last year in Manhattan when Eli Drinkwitz called the timeout to get a cosmetic score. And I think Chris Kleinman of Kansas State thought, what is this? Either way, you could have gotten Tennessee and 28 and a half points. And you could have gotten the Colorado Avalanche and five and a half goals. <laughs> I parlay with a page of real nice. And you could have gotten the Illinois over under at uh, what ninety or something like that was the final forty six forty three. I yeah. guess let's say eighty nine. Yeah. I mean, what kind of what kind of odds would you have gotten on that? You would have been paid. You probably could have put a hundred dollars on it and become a. a I don't know. I mean, certainly, it would have been for real in the million dollar category. Yeah, you would have changed tax brackets if you put yes. that, that parlay. I together. mean, that, and that's what we had happen on Saturday. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, I, I don't know what's the most surprising of the whole group. Blues, Blues putting it on the abs like that is eight goals on a team eight that goals. was. Eight goals. Yeah, yeah. Doubling their power play goals and one foul swoop. Like, I don't know. That That's right up there because. 
Uh, Tennessee was kind. I wouldn't say fraudulent. That's the wrong word to use. But they were. I didn't see that kind of, I, yeah, I, I didn't think yeah, Tennessee. I I, when I saw Tennessee was ranked ahead of Missouri, I'm like, ooh, this is kind of good because right. this Same isn't. Thing. You know, this isn't what I. I don't think they're better, but I just didn't know how Missouri would pick themselves up after Georgia. That's what I wondered. And uh, James Carlton, who sponsors Gabe on on both TMA and on Balloon Party, uh, made the uh, observation with with Gabe when he was with us in the last hour. And, and, and then Gabe DeArmond made this point. The difference between the 2007 team and the 2008 team was the leadership of the players. Same head coach, leadership of the players. And while a lot of the glamour players were still there, Daniel, Macklin, they lost some key leaders from 2007 to 2008. And he said that team, after they lost at home to Oklahoma State, was already done. Yeah. And I went to Austin the following week where they played Colt McCoy and Texas, and Missouri was blown off the field in the first half. Uh, and that team never lived up to its hype. And a lot of that's leadership. Why do I bring that up? Because this team was not done after losing to Georgia in what was a heartbreaking loss. You saw a top 10 team in Ole Miss go down there and you saw what happened. Uh, So that team picked itself up and dominated Tennessee. And Tennessee might not be a great team, but they're still a very good team. And they don't know what happened. And I want to make this observation as well. Did that without Luther Burden. Luther Burden is not himself. Luther Burden is not the same guy health-wise who he was a month ago. Uh, He hurt his shoulder against South Carolina. He hurt his ankle or his foot against Georgia. He had five of the 300 yards Missouri had at the half. That offensive line and what Cody Schrader did and the Cody Schrader story. Phenomenal. Secondarily, going football nerd here. Missouri used a three-man front against Tennessee and then lost two of their linebackers. Yep. And they still dominated that team. Josh Heupel hasn't had an offensive output like that uh, at Tennessee. I mean, that is just incredible. So, yeah, I could have seen Missouri winning, of course. That isn't a surprise. I didn't bet it. Wouldn't have bet it. But to win like that? Holy crap. That is one of the biggest statement wins I've seen the program have uh, in my life, which really sounds Orlovskian, mm-hmm. but I feel that way. And then you cap that off with a nightcap of the Blues going up against a team that's live for the Stanley Cup. And, and it wasn't like, oh, they beat the Avalanche 2-1, to 8-2. to one. Yeah, they The way them. Bennington kept it in the first period. And then to get Shen and Buchnevich doing what they're doing, two shorties and a power play goal. I mean, what in the world? Uh, so there it is. The table is set. We'll talk that over with Jeremy Rutherford. That's coming up at 1045. He was yeah. a TMA trivia night on Saturday night wearing a wonderful, colorful velvet jacket. Yeah, he looked great and he was having a great time and love hanging out with JR. JR's good people. Uh, so that's coming up at 1045. We have the Little Piddles Angry Beaver weekend wrap up coming your way next. You are welcome to talk it over in the YouTube chat. It is very active in there now it's becoming a whole thing and i understand there's a balloon party fan page i did see that i did are see you that. a member of the balloon party this is on facebook i haven't yet joined um but i guess i, I will but, so that means we're not the moderators like we are on the tma fan page yeah yeah kind of I'm, I'm, i have to tell you i'm very happy about that yeah i was gonna say i've I was... moved on from my fan page moderation days yeah 
And you at 25 have also moved on from your fan page moderation well, days. So I'm not looking to take on more. It. What's that? I said I'm not looking on to take on more moderation. Yeah. So whoever created the Balloon Party fan page, that's on Facebook now. Come on in and help. Attack the show there. You're welcome to do it. It gives you something to, to do the rest of the day. And the YouTube chat, and of course, texting in Air Comfort Service. Text line 314-399-9646. The YouTube cameras presented by the Air Alliance team. The program is presented by Munganas Burkhardt, Alton Toyota. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN and YouTube. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN presented to you by Munganas Burkhardt Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. G, uh, Jeremy Rutherford with us at 1045 as you listen to 101 ESPN and view the program on YouTube via the Air Alliance team cameras. My cohort's name is Jackson Burkett. He's got a full head of hair now. He's lost 25 pounds. He's considered the most eligible bachelor in St. Louis by the Ladue News. Ladies and gentlemen, he now has the little piddles. Angry Beaver weekend wrap up. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Since we kind of talked about Missouri in the first segment, I'm going to move on to the Blues as my second piece of the weekend wrap up. The Blues are hotter than the pistol, putting eight goals in the Avalanche and winning four out of the last five games, two power play goals to boot. Does this team look like a team that could still make a run at the playoffs? If they were able to do that in a semi rebuild season, would that give Blues fans reasons to be very excited for the future? Yeah, it would. It absolutely would. I, I think the goal was always to be lurking to get a playoff spot. But what's taken place in four of the last five games? Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, this is that, that those those things can happen in the NHL, but they're real big outliers. Uh, I was texting with uh, the Nonling, mm-hmm. used to produce on TMA, wonderful gentleman, now a counselor. And I said, what are you, what's, what's doing here? And he said, I think a game like Saturday would be an outlier between any two teams, the worst teams in the league, except this year's Sharks, don't often have their systems break down like that against even the best teams. I think in general, they'll continue to win with very strict structure. And any loss of that structure will lead to losses because they don't seem to have the offense to consistently bail them out. We've seen those teams before do well. Many of the Hitchcock teams were similar going into the Hall of Fame tonight. Ken Hitchcock. He was just so good at maintaining structure, and they always had a decent D group. In my opinion, this is a bubble playoff team still because there are still too many wildcard players each night who may or may not show up. Uh, and I think a lot of Blues fans would agree with that assessment. But Here's where I was uh, I w- before the New Jersey-Montreal back-to-back wins. And we talked about this on the show, so I, I said this on the air. This could be a really blah year because you know they're not that good. They're probably not going to get in the playoffs. It's not like last year where you had Tarasenko and O'Reilly and Barbashev to trade. and there's, So there's a little drama around the trade deadline and which direction the organization takes. They're not going to be bad enough that they're going to be in the mix for a lottery. There isn't a Connor Bedard out there anyway for a lottery pick. So it's just like a blah year. And then you do that. And I would think even those who are super skeptical are going, okay, that's like eight to two if it would have been even against the Sharks, who are the doormats. Uh, You'd go, wow, eight goals. But against the Avalanche, what in the hell? So, you know, this isn't the same Tampa Bay Lightning team that went to a bunch of Stanley Cups in a row. They're a game over 500. Blues actually with a better winning percentage than the Lightning. We'll see them here tomorrow. Uh, and then the Blues will, will head out to uh, to the West Coast, the, the United States West Coast, not the Western Canadian trip. They already made that one. 
and uh, see how they perform. But what has taken place in four of the last five games is really impressive, and I think even skeptics have to go, okay, well, maybe there's something something doing here, uh, especially to get some power play going on Saturday after that debacle. Because, uh, hell, they won on Thursday, but you're like, my God, the power play is so bad. So to get that going, in addition to uh, doing it against the team they did in the building they did it in, super impressive. 100%. Totally agree. Moving on. Coaches are being fired left and right with more to come over the next week or two. With the success of the program this year, do you think guys like Drinkwitz, Kirby Moore, or Blake Baker are candidates to be poached by other, pro- by other I programs? I absolutely do. And in a way, I feel like it's being underrated. Let me start with the head coach. Um, Pete Thamel of ESPN uh, had his list of... Now, these are his, this isn't like Texas A&M releases their short list. Right. Right after Jimbo Fisher was fired yesterday, the $77 million buyout, and Drinkwitz's name wasn't on there. Now, I I don't care one way or the other. I'm just surprised that his name wasn't on there. And here's my reasoning. And, and, and A&M's different, for the record. The Florida one may be more likely. A&M, even though they don't necessarily have the track record mm-hmm. of a blue blood, they carry themselves like they've got blue blood. They're essentially a guy leasing a BMW at Bar Napoli. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so so AM thinks of themselves as being a team that you know, well, all we do is win national championships around here, except they really haven't. Right. But they have resources. But they have resources. So in my mind, like Randy said when he was uh with us in the first segment here. That's a, that's a place where I don't think they're firing Jimbo Fisher to hire Eli Drinkwitz. Right. That's not a shot at Eli Drinkwitz. That's me thinking they know what they're going to do. Right. And it really could be Urban Meyer. I agree with where he's coming from on that. They know they're going big, and they may have an idea of who they already got. Yeah, it needs to be splashy. They're not just peeling off $77 million. Right. And that, again, that's not a shot at Drinkwitz. But a school that doesn't fancy themselves like A&M does which, again, I think they really do look at themselves like an Alabama, Georgia, yep. Ohio State, USC mm-hmm. kind of operation. Uh, so if it were to be Florida, if Florida opens up, what percentage would you say they fire Billy Napier? <laughs> Operating on the premise that they lose to Missouri right. and then they lose to Florida State and then that's it. 40%? Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, that, I'm in that category 40%. as well. Uh, Gabe DeArmond noted they have a great recruiting class coming in, so they may not want to mess with it, and it would only be year two. But um, that would that would be one where I would keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. And if I am a school looking for a head coach, and you've got a guy who's just turned 40, took a program that was not in great shape, got people excited right away, even though Randy and I are on the exact same page with the LSU thing being a bit of smoke and mirrors, but it still got people excited when they beat him in 2020. Yep. I thought the program made progress last year, um, which to me excited me. Um, but I, but the reason I thought they made progress was their defense. And then as it turns out, in the first month of the season, it was their offense that had people going. I'm telling you, of all people, God bless them, though, Ken Iggy Strode on TMN this morning made the observation since they were down 14 to nothing to Kentucky, the defense has looked otherworldly. Yeah, it's as good as any I defense mean, in the country. I mean, for real, otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Georgia's offense is, is a 
damn good offense. Especially the running game. And they kept the running game in check. Yep. I mean, think about it. Kentucky scored, what, seven points, yep. aided by a questionable overturning of an interception. South Carolina couldn't get anything going, That's didn't offense. score a touchdown. Yep. Um, and then you had the Georgia game, and they held them to four yards for that running game. And then Tennessee it took a world-class throw by Bazooka Joe and an incredible catch yeah. for them to get their points. Yep. This is what's happened here in the last yeah. in the last uh, month. I mean, it's it's incredible for a defense that the week before had been just picked apart by most likely now. God, I should have bet it. The, the Heisman Trophy winner in right. Jane, Jane Daniels. So they have the they can beat you in a variety of different ways. Then you go into the coordinators. And so Drinkwitz has the recruiting going. He's got the coordinators. He's now a CEO of a program as opposed to the offensive coordinator. So Blake Baker, what he's done, he did it last year, and now he's got it going here. And then uh, I don't know about Kirby Moore because this is only his first year. The Boise State job is opening up, but I don't think he would necessarily be in mix. I think it might be his brother, Kellen Moore, who would be more likely. If I had to bet, I bet Brian Harson goes back there after getting fired at Auburn and he had success at Boise State. That's where he came from. They didn't like that uh, on the Plains. So it would be wonderful if Missouri has its full conglomerate back for next year with Drinkwitz, Baker, and uh, more, that is going to be tough because we already see three SEC jobs open. And inevitably, I would imagine, with the firing of Zach Arnett at Mississippi State this morning, uh, I would imagine Sam Pittman goes. And uh, then I would imagine uh, Billy Napier is at least alive. You have the Michigan State situation. God only knows what happens with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a domino effect on programs. If Mike Elko goes to Texas A&M, that opens up the Duke job. Point being, it might not be Drinkwitz, but it might be one of his coordinators who goes. But either way, Eli Drinkwitz should be on people's lists for sure uh and you would hate to lose that momentum ideally he stays but that's something that comes with hey man you have success you want other schools interested in your coach because that means you are doing something that has people paying attention and he happened to do it at 2 30 on cbs without a lot of competition in that time slot on saturday afternoon jackson uh do you have a third question for this angry beaver little piddles weekend wrap-up sure uh, is the college football playoff almost destined to leave somebody out playing out the hand? Do you think an unbeaten Florida State gets left out? Maybe no SEC teams get in? Maybe a Texas team that beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa gets left out? How do you see this playing out? Let me present this scenario to you, and I'll ask it on this show, acting like I didn't ask it of you two and a half hours ago sure. for the first time. No doubt. Let me just say Washington goes undefeated. Mm. Let me just say Florida State goes undefeated. And inevitably, either Ohio State or Michigan goes undefeated. And then let's say that Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship. And let's say Texas wins out and has one loss. Texas with one loss. Alabama SEC champions with one loss. Georgia with one loss. Which of those three teams gets the spot? Because if you're saying Florida State's in, and you're saying Washington's in, and you're saying either Ohio State or Michigan's in, which of those three teams gets the spot? I would say that Texas should get the spot. We are in lockstep on that, which means the SEC would be left out. Right, and that is, I mean, this... But Texas went to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama by double digits. Yep, and this is 
I mean, as much as it can be for a, uh, a conference that is known for dominance, this is technically a down year for the SEC when you look relative to what the Pac-12 is doing. And I, think that's, uh, I think it's uh, starting to get a little wobbly if you look at the top 25 in the college football playoff. I think it's starting to get a little wobbly. You mean that the SEC is in a down year? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying, like, the top is very strong. I'm not going to doubt that. But teams like Tennessee, we used to be that second tier. We saw what Tennessee happened there. Missouri is now right, stepped into that second Right, but Tennessee was tier. number, what, 12 or 13. 13, yeah. And Ole Miss was top 10. Right. But then they go up against and play teams that are... That are of, in the SEC. Right, 10 of the best. But, the, but these are smaller. There's a smaller pool. I think Texas... Just based on beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa, you know, Alabama would have beaten Georgia on a neutral site, albeit in Atlanta, Georgia. It's still a neutral site, whereas Texas went into one hey, of the listen, toughest environments. I agree with you. I think Texas should get it. I just think the SEC being down thing, I think that's kind of started to get blown up a little bit. Uh, sure, and that's, that's I think not what you, I think what you're having are a couple teams that usually aren't in the mix, are in the mix this year that aren't Blue Bloods, and that was Ole Miss. Right. Uh, and it is Missouri. Right. And uh, I think the bigger issue for the SEC was the non-conference. The best non-conference win was either Ole Miss over Tulane or Missouri over Kansas State. Yeah. When the SEC saw Alabama lose to Texas and LSU lose to Florida State, and Georgia didn't really play anybody of note non-conference, that was where there were some questions. A&M lost to Miami. Right. So right. that's where the SEC got blown up a bit. Yeah. Now let's say, I mean... Florida State being left out undefeated would obviously be like, what else are you supposed to do? But when you look at the no strength way. of the schedule, no I know I, I agree with you. But like, let's say Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship. Georgia's obviously in, and, you, uh, and now Texas is left out after having an unbelievable season, a tougher season than Florida State. But Florida State didn't lose. Yeah. Just, so what? Are you, so what are you, are you taking the opinion that Texas should be in? No, I'm saying that there is merit to Texas getting in over Florida State, but it won't happen. I'm saying there's merit to it. Okay, well, then give, well, you're the one saying it. So well, what because is your Texas had the toughest road win of the year, and they and they won, lost one game to Oklahoma, who later but they fell did apart. lose a game, 100, percent and I get that. But for a state, I mean, they beat LSU in the first game of the season. That was obviously not what LSU became. They won at Clemson. I know yeah. it's not a huge win relative to previous Clemson teams. Sure, sure, they won. They will Clemson. have to have beaten. Most likely Louisville. Yeah, yeah, they fought tooth and nail against Miami this weekend in uh, Tennessee. I'm not sold on Florida State. To me, it's very clear that it is, I think, uh, Georgia, Michigan, and Oregon, in my opinion, that and maybe Alabama now firing on all cylinders, but this isn't the same Alabama team that had trouble with South Florida earlier in the year. right. They've um, gotten right. But yeah, it's about how you're playing. I mean, we've seen teams look like Clemson in 2017. was a totally different team by the time they got to the national championship. Because uh, I think that team lost earlier in the year to a bad team. Uh, Ohio State lost at home to Virginia Tech, if I'm not mistaken, got to the college football playoff. So, hey, that's a credit to coaches when teams can evolve. And that's why I think Nick Saban is going to be right there with Eli Drinkwitz for SEC Coach of the Year for what he's done with Milrow. With that said... I don't know how you can put Alabama in over Texas when they lost at home to him by double digits. If it were to happen from an entertainment standpoint, so since I have no skin in the game, oh my God. I think I'll just listen to Paul Feinbaum on a loop. Yeah, I think things get really hairy if Oregon ends up beating Washington. Wouldn't that really cause a real issue because now you have two one-loss teams in the Pac-12? I think, I think Washington is out. 
Okay. I think the one that you have to talk about is is Ohio State. If they lose to Michigan and they're saying, well, we're a one-loss team. No, that, no. Well, okay, it's fine, but they won at Notre Dame, and they also won against Penn State, which most likely is going to finish with two losses. Now, I was advocating Penn State over Michigan. The Colonel set me straight on that. I still lost money on Saturday. Um, but Penn State's offense, oh, my God. Wow, what an operation that is. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. Jeremy Rutherford at 1045 on the Blues. Ridiculous win Saturday. And uh, getting kind of a state of the team situation after this 4 of 5 win streak for the Blues. They'll try to make it three in a row for the first time this year as they go up against the Lightning right here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game 6 p.m. tomorrow. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. This program is Balloon Party. Driven by Mungan S. Burkhardt, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. All these crazy alien stories stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon party 101 ESPN and on YouTube. How's that YouTube check going, Jackson? I haven't I haven't spent enough time in there today. Robust. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. It's growing exponentially. Is it because of the balloon party fan page? I'd have to thank, you know. It's certainly nothing we do. Right, I agree with you. Jeremy Rutherford's going to do something special. He's going to be with us here in a few minutes on the program. Uh, Jackson is tending to wonderful business questions and sports questions on the weekend wrap-up, which is presented to you by Angry Beaver. This is question four. Question four. In terms of the Cardinals offseason, a factor that we have mentioned and is very important to the discussion is the number and bankroll of the teams also jockeying for pitching talent in the free agency pool. Now the Braves are in the mix on Aaron Nola per Ken Rosenthal this morning on The Athletic. You knew where I was going. Oh, I didn't know you were going there. I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. Ken Rosenthal has an article today that the Braves Oh, my God, I did. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, we look at We're making love tantrically. And isn't that lovely? Your thoughts, 314-399-9646. Yeah, the Braves could be in on Aaron Nola. Do you think if the Cardinals fall short of, let's say, the first four to five pitchers that we have targeted... Oh, God in heaven. Well, here we go. ...that they will be influenced by external factors of the fan base's frustration with the lack of spending, and that will force them to spend poorly and commit to a pitcher that they usually wouldn't to shell the money out? Wow. How about you? So... So let's say what, what, when you say four or five, so we're going Yamamoto's mm-hmm. off the market. Right. There goes Snell. And I there goes the, Nola. Who's next? I include Otani in that four to five. Obviously, oh, he's not a target for the Cardinals, but okay. just for the sake of the purpose. Okay. So those three Montgomery, guys plus Otani. Gray, I guess people. Sonny Gray, I'll put five. Okay. Let's say they fall All short right. of Sonny Gray. Well, then who? Then then what are they doing? Well, then you got guys like Monty out there. Yeah. Uh, and then, then well, I, include, people, I already included Montgomery. Okay. I with him for. All right. Well, then let's say Sonny Gray is still on the table. Like, do you think okay. now the Cardinals' hand is extremely forced because of external yes, factors? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I don't think necessarily because they're reading Twitter. I would. I know. I've made all of my business decisions based on public. Yeah, you you crowdsource your expertise. I do. I, I, I for example, I know a lot of guys who play professionally 
listen to this show to hear what someone who got cut from football, basketball, and baseball in high school says they, they should be doing. Right. And that, to me, you know, Warren Buffett doesn't say it. Right. But he... He gauges what dog avatars say on Twitter before he makes a move. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily think billionaire Bill DeWitt is going to check message boards. I would. Right. I think, yeah, that'd be prudent. But I think they will go, oh, dear God, what do we do? And then all of a sudden, Sonny Gray has a 20-year, $2 billion deal <laughs> to come pitch for the Cardinals. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that's on the table. Yeah. When is this crap going to get going? I'm a little, I, like, I went to read this morning. Like, I'd see, let's see, like, just what people, and Rosenthal is the only person with a column. Yeah, it's, like, all quiet right now. And then all, like, I some. Because it's all about Otani. Right. Like, nobody's going to do anything because the big boys for the pitchers are also mostly in on Otani. Right. And so, understandably, the agents representing the pitchers are going, hey, we just need the Otani thing. And then the, the dam breaks. Yeah, he'll be the first domino. And once that happens, then I think you'll start to see. Like in a week's time, three to four other guys get signed. So yeah, once the Otani thing happens, so I think the Cardinals have to be ready with their offers to whether it be Snell or Yamamoto or even Sonny Gray. Like they just have to be ready because otherwise they might just be late to the party. Because we've now the Braves have now entered the chat and they got money and they got a good young core and they're going. We had an incredible year and we couldn't get it done and a lot of it was because we had pitching injuries. So did the Dodgers, except right. they have some young pitching. It's quite a spot, I am telling you. Like we got we got we got a lot going on here. We do. I mean the Missouri thing's starting to wind down, but uh, the the Blues are going oh. Look at us. Maybe maybe we got a little something to talk about this year. And then this baseball offseason, I'm telling you, I mean, the next few weeks, what a defining time. Yeah. What a defining time. Uh, all right, Jamie Rutherford is going to join us on the other side of the break at his perspective on what took place in Denver on Saturday night. Blues and Lightning here on 101 ESPN pregame at 6 p.m. tomorrow. And then the Blues head out to the West Coast to try to keep the momentum going of what we hope could be a three-game winning streak. We'll talk it over with JR next. This program is called Balloon Party, and it airs on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi electric elite contractor. Welcome back. Balloon Party, 101 ESPN, YouTube. YouTube cameras sponsored by the Air Alliance team. Man, we have, we've, we've seen an uptick here in this YouTube room. What's going on, Jackson? What are you doing? Did you send this out to your buddies? No, I just think we speak for the people. Oh, I didn't know on, that. On behalf of them, really. Okay, well, if that's the case, then Jeremy Rutherford is the president? He's the people's champ. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, fresh off his appearance at the TMA Trivia Night at the St. Gabriel's Grade School in South St. Louis, Jeremy Rutherford joins us here on Balloon Party. <laughs> Morning, JR. Morning, boys. Yeah, I uh, have leftover salt and smoke for about a week now. I don't know if you guys saw me leave with that uh, wheelbarrow. Fall. I saw you had a wheelbarrow taking it down the steps, but I'm glad you got something out of it. That was a wonderful velvet coat you sported to the gala on Saturday night. <laughs> no, good times. Thanks for having me. Bunch of buffoonery. I missed uh, watching the Blues game that night as a result, but caught up yesterday, watched the whole game. 
Uh, but it was a good excuse uh, to be with you guys. We enjoyed having you there. It was uh, wonderful, and and we were BSing during uh, the trivia contest about the score of the Blues game. I mean, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. They've scored a few goals, and then I glanced at it toward the end, and I go, oh my god, what <laughs> in the world happened? And then you find out the details after in the box score. Go back and watch yesterday, and I'm like. Where did that come from? So let me ask that question to you because I've been texting with some friends. Where did that come from? Yeah, I was. I'm at practice now. They're getting ready to start in a few minutes, and uh, Chris Kerber just walked by, and uh, I said that I was at your event, and I said that Tim and I were talking during the game. We saw the update, and it was three nothing, four nothing. Holy smoke! So. Uh, where did it come from? I think they've been trending in this direction. Now, no one no one would have predicted an 8-2 win over the Colorado Avalanche. But I think in terms of their offense, it's it's been on the uptick. And I got some numbers in front of me. won't bog you down too much. But through those first eight games of the season, they uh, were averaging 25.1 shots per game. During this last stretch of five games, of course, they've won four of the five. They're averaging 33.4 shots per game. So you're talking yeah. almost nine shots per game. And, and so what I saw yesterday watching the replay of the game is that uh, the passing is much better, first and foremost. They're putting shots on net. But not only are they putting shots on net, Tim, they're coming from the top. You saw Krug, Falk, a number of defensemen uh, putting them from up high, creating some rebounds. Guys are going to the net. Lots of times guys are in front of the net. So I think it's you can't just say, hey, numbers, they're shooting more. I think where they're coming from and the fact that they're shooting more accurately has been a big reason for this uptick. And we also saw that power play, which went 0-2 to start in Denver on Saturday night, then get going at one point, 1-37, for 37, and a breakthrough, uh, both with shorthanded goals and also on the power play. So the special teams came out and uh, put on a clinic on Saturday night as well. That was a weird spot coming off a win on Thursday. Yeah, they won, but a lot of the conversation was about, my God, the power play against the Coyotes. What is going on with this thing? And then they got it going with the special teams play on Saturday. What did you see from that? Yeah, after an 0 for 7, they go... uh... Uh, they get two power play goals and also score two shorthanded goals. So you win the special teams battle four to nothing. That's pretty uh, unbelievable against the Colorado team. And if you get a chance, go to the uh, the Blues Twitter feed. They've got a video of Craig Bruby in the locker room after the game. And for some reason, the video either cuts out a lot or they have to bleep the curse words. But he tells us <laughs> what a great night special teams-wise. So uh, you got to give the power play some credit. We've been so critical of it. But, Tim, what I saw on that power play, again, this goes back to what I said a second ago with the offense, is uh, just a lot of crisp passing, decisiveness, and the one-time shot. You saw that power play goal by Pavel Buchnevich pass right on the stick. He doesn't waste any time letting it go. We haven't seen that quick movement and those quick shots from the power play this season. It's it's only been, what, I guess 10, 11 days since they uh, had that back-to-back against the Devils and the Canadiens. I don't. I'm really curious where you are on this. My mindset on what this season could be now versus before the puck dropped against the Devils on Friday night. You know, whatever it was, ten, eleven days ago, are in two different places. And it's not just because they edged out some wins. I mean, as you made reference to the shots on goal, the goals scored. I don't. I don't think it's prisoner of the moment because you're talking about five games worth of a sample size. But hell, you're covering the team on a daily basis. What What is your opinion of of what this season could be? Has it changed since before that back to back win against the Devils and Canadians at home? 
Yeah, Tim, with a caveat, though, because if you allow me to, to you know, flip just a little bit here, this is the team that I thought they could be going into the season. And, and I feel like I've written that, you know, I've said they could be a third place wild card type of team because I felt they'd be competitive. I thought the offense would be decent. I thought Bennington would be good. And I thought they could be that type of team. But when you get off to the start that they did and they're figuring out the defensive system and nobody can score a goal and the power play is going over, you just have to look at yourself and say, is this a situation like last year? Because last year I was a little reluctant to see that it just wasn't going to come together for them last year. So, you know, you have to be, uh, you know, obvious that it's not, that they're not playing well the first five, six, seven, eight games and say, well, maybe this team just isn't good enough. So you start to, to wonder about that. But the way they're playing right now, is the way that I thought it could come together if things were working, if they've been working together lately. And the biggest thing I said at the beginning of the year, bold statement, is the biggest thing they need to do is be a team, play for each other, and that's what I've seen in this last stretch. Yeah, that is uh, certainly the case, and uh, there was a lot of... You mentioned the Baruby postgame sound, the video that the Blues posted, great entertainment, love to see that. And I I do think that it skipped, because I don't think that he would use any profanity no. so uh, I'm glad I'm glad you, you you observed that but then also uh the comments following that game from from Braden Shen and listen that's that's part of being a captain is having that leadership and not just being a leader but making sure that everybody uh is is playing together and that there has been a sense of that here yes the power play debacle on Thursday night but then they bounce back and they respond they will get a chance to uh win three in a row tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Lightning this is not the same group of Tampa Bay Lightning players who hoisted the chalice but still you have a number of talented players on that team before the Blues go out on the West Coast road trip. Uh, your thoughts on tomorrow night, what we will be likely to see as far as how the Blues play it with lines and combinations, and then also uh, what will be in store for them as they head to the West Coast. Yeah, we'll see, Tim. Uh, I mentioned I'm at practice. We'll go in in just a couple minutes. Uh, Kesperi Kapanen went into the boards pretty awkwardly, and I don't know that he, he returned. He definitely missed a significant part of that third period. See if he's back out there. Uh, they're going to play Tampa Bay. Like you said, not your father's Tampa Bay Lightning. Your guy, Patty Maroon, gone now in Minnesota. I think Nikita Kucherov was banged up. He missed the last game. I'm not sure about tomorrow night's game here in St. Louis. We'll get an update on that. And it's a good team still, though, and a good test, I think, as the Blues try to even add more traction to their season. Because, Tim, as you mentioned, they're going to go out on the West Coast and they're going to play a couple beatable teams when you look at uh, San Jose Sharks, Scufflin'. Uh, Anaheim's improved, but still a team that you should beat. We'll find out. But uh, the Blues, nonetheless, big picture, looking really good as they head into this game against Tampa. Yeah, you lose to the Sharks, you can lose your to your job. Uh, <laughs> and we, we saw that with Edmonton. That That's uh, one step uh, there. We uh, were BSing a little bit about uh, the rumors in Edmonton about interest in Jordan Bennington. Have you heard anything more on that here? I know it's weird to ask, fresh off the Blues, beating the crap out of the Avalanche, but anything new on that? No, I can't see that in a million years. And Ken Holland, the Edmonton GM, when they did make the coaching change a couple days ago with the Oilers, he said he did uh, beat the bushes a little bit on a trade possibility and said that uh, he tried to do some things, but they just couldn't work out. And whether a phone call to St. Louis for Bennington was one of those, uh, I don't know. But I do know that Doug probably would have said no in terms of the way Bennington's playing, the way they like him in, in net for the next couple of years under contract. And, uh, and I think that Edmonton, 
uh, probably got the hang up on that one. Yeah, that would uh, that would stand to reason. There it is. Jeremy Rutherford with us every Monday here on Balloon Party, every Wednesday on TMA and on 101 on all of the programs throughout the course of the week. Blues and Lightning tomorrow night at Enterprise Center pregame here on 101 ESPN at 6 p.m. JR, always a pleasure to talk it over with you. And uh, thanks again for coming to the TMA Trivia Night on Saturday night. Great seeing you. Good stuff, boys. Thanks. There he is. Jeremy Rutherford was here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN and on YouTube. Jackson, that's it. I mean, listen, could I do four or five more hours? Of course I could. I hear voices in my head, and then I start blurting them out when I'm on the radio. But I got to go. I got to go. Are you going to do a podcast? Wasn't planning on it today. But maybe tomorrow we'll do QFTA. Sounds lovely. We'll take your questions and comments for that at T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. And we go beyond sports on that pod. T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. Anything. Hate mail is welcomed. Ooh, we please. solicit it. Yeah, yeah. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. BK and Ferrario are up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganas Burkhardt, Alton Toyota, on 101 ESPN and on YouTube.